Welcome to the Truth About College Admission podcast. My name is Rick Clark. I am the AVP and Executive Director of Undergrad Admission at Georgia Tech. And today's podcast and season one is brought to you by Johns Hopkins Press. The press connects a global audience of readers to trusted knowledge from leading researchers, scholars, and educators. To learn more about the press, visit press.jhu.edu. And I'm Brennan Barnard, Director of College Counseling at Khan Lab School. And today we are joined by our friends, Tim Fields, Senior Associate Dean at the Office of Undergraduate Admission at Emory University, and Shereem Herndon-Brown, founder and CEO of Strategic Admissions Advice. And together, they've co-authored a book called The Black Family's Guide to College Admission, a conversation about education parenting, and race. Yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation today, um, Brennan, and I think that folks listening will as well. The big thing to listen for, and you and I have talked a lot about this in the past, is the parallel really between co-authoring a book and the give and take of that, the need to listen, uh, to understand what you really kind of want and be willing to like articulate that, but then also let go of some things where you realize I'm hearing this other person who I value and respect and want the best for. And I think that goes both ways. It's, it's from parent to student and vice versa. Being honest about what you really care about and being able to express why. I mean, we both have sons and I don't know particularly for you, but I, I mean, right now I have a 14 year old son. It's tough sometimes to get him to really go much more than one or two strung together sentences. <laughs> and uh, as kids get older, I mean, and you're talking about big money and a lot of people's different interests in, in what they're hopeful for, being able to find the environment where you can bring that out, be honest about it and do that in a thoughtful way is not easy. It's not easy and it takes work. And I think they really kind of hit on that a little bit. I know you and I struggled through that, but like in the end, it's so awesome to see that come together together. And I think for you and I both, we've seen families do this well. And obviously, that's the book and the way both these books ultimately ended up too, is the relationship can really be strengthened, but it does demand honesty. It does demand compromise. And Tim and Shereem, I think, did a good job of hitting on a couple of those things. So I hope people will hear that and translate that a little bit to their own experience going forward in admission too. That's so true. And I mean, when you make that connection, it all meshes together. You know, I really appreciated both Tim's glimpse behind the curtains of what's happening this time of year as they read applications and also the way Shreem kind of unpacked the family perspective at this time of year and, and mm-hmm. the conversation we have about engaging with young people in our lives uh, over the holidays. I think it's a really important thing to, to consider. So uh, without further ado, here we go. Today, we are joined by our friends, Timothy Fields and Shereem Herndon-Brown. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Wow. Thank you, guys. We're flattered that you guys are having us on. And uh, just for full transparency, we're going to make sure you guys are on our podcast probably before you guys put us on yours. How about that? And game <laughs> on. Well, Shereem, maybe you could tell us a bit about your book and why you wrote it. Thanks again, Brennan. Why do we write the book? So Tim and I, in summer of 2020, at the height of what we now know as the Black and IG movement, where many Black students, particularly independents, were voicing their concerns about micro and macro aggressions happening against them at their schools, I became very sensitive to it. I went to independent schools, West Town School, and and I was sending my kids to independent schools, Georgetown Prep at the time for my son, and a Bullet School in Potomac, Maryland with my daughters. And the Black NIG movement hurt an independent school parent and alum. Now, what really caught my eye was that there was this common thread about college counseling that was happening in the students' voices about the process. So 
I called up Tim. He and I had known each other through NACAC, the National Association for Pops, uh, Missions Counselors Conference from 10 years ago. Hung out a few times. And I said, Tim, like, would you want to write a book with me? Not really wanting him to say yes, because then once I kind of lob it out there, then I have to do it. And I <laughs> wouldn't really want to have to do it. But, you know, I knew I was going to do it by myself. And thankfully, because of his admission experience at Emory, because he went to an HBCU Morehouse, I had an idea that we have different perspectives. And I later learned that we have very, very different perspectives on a lot of things. So wanting to write a guide specifically for Black families. We thought we wanted to be very intentional about who our audience was, primarily because many of us, we have friends who are at this college-going age for their children, and we're asking us a whole bunch of questions about what classes should I take, what high school should I go to, blah, blah, blah. So we said, let's just write a book as a purposeful project to give to our friends and to hopefully cast a wider net for families who were struggling with some of the same things we were. So why we wrote the book was really to help Black families of this, what we call Blackish generation of having gone to college and making maybe a little bit more money than their parents and really wanting to help them to navigate the college counseling and admissions process a little bit more educatedly or a little more informed than they had. Well, and it's a great book. So we'll put the link in the show notes, but you guys did a great job. But thanks for bringing your voices to this. Thanks. 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 For sure. And Tim wanted to give you an opportunity there. Anything that you wanted to, to add to that? You know, I'll say, you know, when Shereen came to me, obviously I jumped at the opportunity to work with him and write a book, tell it from our different perspectives. I think as we were writing, as y'all well aware, you know, you have an intent of like, oh, this we're going to write about. But as you begin to go through the process, you find out all sort of interesting things and it takes its own little path. And so I'll say, yes, we initially wanted to write it for Black families and Black parents. But as we were writing the book, I think we found that there was also a need for college counselors, school counselors, for allies wanted to support these families in the process. And what we found as we've been going about it has been just as much as a resource as it has been for Black families. It's been also a great resource for college counselors, especially those who wanted to learn a little bit more about historically black colleges and universities. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, something that Shareem said earlier about when he guys started out, he had an idea of maybe what he wanted to write, talk to you. You had some ideas of what you wanted to incorporate. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a push and pull. Everybody gives a little bit. Everybody takes a little bit. And actually, both of us, with both of the books that we've written, the commonality is family is in the title, right? And I think that for Brennan and I, we learned a lot about the work we do working with families through co-authoring a book because it takes listening. It takes some compromise. It takes deciding, I think, when you want to like really stand firm on something and when you're willing to give. And that's the truth, really, for parents and students as they're navigating this, too. I'm just kind of curious, like... What were some examples of that for you guys? Or does that resonate? I mean, what do you feel like you learned through co-authoring that you might extrapolate out and tell families about lessons learned, the difficulty of it, but also the opportunity that they have to navigate this successfully? At the end of the day, you guys published a great book, but that took work and it took listening to each other. And I'm just kind of curious how you might draw some parallels there for families. I know I learned that Rick wakes up at like four in the morning and probably works until like one in the morning. So I don't know when he (laughs) sleeps. Uh, You know, what I will say is with parallels to the college admission is remember what is the ultimate goal. And if the ultimate goal is to go to college and get a good education, then, you know, there are several different ways you can go about that. We talk about 4,000 college universities throughout the country, over 2,000 of them have bachelor's degrees. And I had to constantly remind myself of what's the end goal we want to get this book. And I think sometimes parents get caught up in, oh, this type of school. Our students get caught up in, oh, I want to leave away from home. And they kind of lose sight of what is our ultimate goal. And so I think that was the larger parallel 
that I'll draw. But, you know, I'm sure Shereem has some other parallels that he can draw as a, there was definitely a push and pull, dare I say, in this process. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's three important things. First and foremost, it's accountability, right? In the co-authoring process, we were able to hold each other accountable to what we said we would do. Tim held me more accountable to things I said I would do because he executes pretty well. But I do think when parents and families get involved in this process, I think they have different responsibilities, right? Mm-hmm. And parents got to take care of the financial aid. The student has to know when the dates and deadlines are, or the parent can know that, but the student has to actually put finger to keyboard and write the essays. And when they go to visit schools, parents may ask more about safety and living facilities. Students may say, you know, where are they to eat? You know, yeah. you're going to know what kind of majors are available. So it's that back and forth push and pull that I think made our co-authoring experience great, that I think the response that parents and students who get into this together process great. And but let's be honest, parents have an idea about the schools that kids should go to or the student has an idea, but then there's the actual execution. Mm-hmm. How is that going to happen? And yes, I will take full responsibility and full credit for the idea of this book, but Tim by far was the execution, mm-hmm. right? Not murderous way, but in a good way was that he was able to seek out academic press houses and you know academic publishing houses Thankfully, we're assigned to you guys with Johns Hopkins Press. But we always call ourselves instead of Batman and Robin, more like Batman and Alfred. <laughs> so I'm like the guy in the Bat Cave with all the ideas of yeah, what yeah. Batman should go do. I like he it. goes to do it. That's great. Yeah, you, you remember the pow and all that. It's the people getting hit. Yeah, that's me. That's like your Spider Man, you know, Ned, the, the guy in the chair, man. You're the guy in the chair. Everybody needs a guy in the chair. I'm the guy in the chair, man. I'm just trying to help out. You just have ideas, do this, do right, right. that. Do that. Well, I mean, yeah, look, as you're saying that, that's how it is, I think, in a healthy way with parents and students, right? I mean, you can laugh about it, but you can kind of figure out your roles. We got to get this done. But like, there's a way that we can do that where we're leaning into our strengths, right? And that's what you guys have figured out. But Brennan, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you and I are more like the two stooges. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know about superheroes or anything, but we'll leave it to Tim on the (laughs) pal. But actually, I did want to come back to you, Tim, real quick, because this podcast is going to air in early December. And I know, you know, at Georgia Tech right now, we're reading through early action applications at Emory. You guys are reading through, in addition to other things, early decision. And at the same time, students are sitting back there, man. They did all that work that you were just describing. You know, they put finger to keyboard and hit submit. And now they're kind of sitting there waiting and wondering, I think, like, all right, what is taking so long? And what are these people really looking at and who are they? I guess what I'm just curious about is what would you want families to know about this day to day that you're in right now with your committee at Emory? What is a day in the kind of review process? And and what are some things that you think might surprise people to hear that y'all are talking about or thinking about when you're reviewing these applications? Just to kind of demystify a little bit. Yeah, I think the first thing that, you know, I would want to highlight specific to the process at Emory is that one, every application is reviewed uh, by multiple people and that we are not just opening it up, looking at a GPA or if there's a test score saying, oh, this person has a test score, this person doesn't. So we prefer this person. So every application is looked at kind of individually. So we review what we call community-based evaluations, where there are two people in a room, evaluate the application, take five, 10, 15, however long it takes to review that application and make a decision, looking at the transcript, looking at the rigor of the curriculum, uh, looking at the letters recommendation, reviewing the essays. Also, you know, taking into consideration, did something happen during COVID? Is there additional information? So we're taking all that information into consideration as we go about making this thoughtful decision. And so then once we make that decision, that's not the end of the application. There are committees that will go through. So some applications, 
that may not be competitive might only get 10 minutes worth of review. Other applications might get 30, 45, maybe even an hour worth of review based upon who's going to see that file. So, you know, I would want to say one, we're going through this just this morning. I was reading uh, with a colleague for the D.C. metropolitan area. We took an hour and read five applications just because those Mm. applications are required that much attention. The other thing that I would share with families, I was asked this the other day, do we look at social media? No, we don't look at social media. Uh, We don't have time to look at social media. We're not interested in looking at social media. So our decisions aren't determined what a student is doing on social media or not. But, you know, I will say be very thoughtful about what you put out there on social media because other people uh, see that information. And unfortunately, there are people who may see it and say, hey, you should look at this student's social media. And so, you know, we don't look at it in the review process, uh, but we do want people to take into consideration what they're putting out there and for the world to see. Yeah, very good. So you're saying you, you don't just take a dartboard and throw darts at random? No, no, no. That I, I would, you, can, you can be honest, Tim. I would say on the contrary, <laughs> that, you know, we take a lot of time and sometimes, you know, more time than we need to because we want to be thoughtful in this process. Like we go through over two weeks of training, unconscious bias, all sorts of other factors that we want to consider so that every student knows that as we're reviewing their application, we took everything in consideration. So just one very quick example, you know, my territory is the state of Illinois and I've had that territory for the last 12 years. So somebody, if you apply from the state of Illinois, you know that more than likely I know your high school, I know the curriculum, I'm familiar with your college counselors that, you know, I understand the context of the environment that you're in. And all those factors are taken in consideration because we're just not saying, oh, this is your GPA. Like a GPA is just a number. Somebody tells me, oh, I have a 4.2. I don't know what that means. I don't know what the context of your school is, what APs, IBs, dual enrollment, the trajectory of how well you've done from first to your senior year. There are all kinds of things. So when parents say, oh, my student has a 4.8 GPA, that means nothing to me because it has to be put in the proper context. Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure we understand the context of the school. That's a great point. All four of us have done college admission. And the reality is we get attached to the students from our territory, right? And as advocates for those students, we get really invested in them. So appreciate the work you do. And Shereem, as Rick was mentioning, early decisions are coming out and the holidays are upon us. And I know you've worked, as I have, with hundreds of students and families. What tips can you offer in terms of keeping perspective and maintaining harmony in the family this time of year? It's a great question, Brennan. I appreciate it because, again, I think that's a, a moving target. I'm not sure I have all the answers. I have some suggestions that keep me sane for my families or things I may tell them. But every year is different because there are different concerns, right? When it's a pandemic start, how's the pandemic going to affect this? You know, now, you know, it's test optional, real or not. There's so many questions that families have about how everything Tim just answered that I, having not worked in admissions in a long time, but also I'm not behind those, and I'm not in those committee meetings, I have to tell them, like, look, you put your best foot forward. We tried to do the best we could to put an application to help you to stand out, and we ideally selected the right schools for you to apply to. So, A, let's maintain a little bit of faith in our process. B, let's work on those supplemental essays should... X school make a mistake is how I phrase it, and then they have to reject you or defer you. And and let's not go into this holiday December fifteenth to January first panic. It's a process. It's called a process for a reason. This is an emotional roller coaster that you're going through. That I went through because I have a kid who's in college. Is my kid going to get in? How are they evaluating him? When the decision's coming out? Why are they deferring him? It's a lot. So instead of panicking, trust the process. Right, that you worked with your school counselor or your independent counselor. Trust that. 
you and your student, your child, you know, have identified the right schools for the right reason, and that you're going to be diligent and intentional about completing applications in well enough in advance so that you're not making rash decisions or writing rash, hastily written essays in the 11th hour. So I don't know if that answers your question other than do a lot of yoga. Brent, I know you're a yogi. Do a lot of yoga and just understand that things happen for a reason. And great, I'm still another one. Students are like cats with nine lives, right? They, they always mm-hmm. land on their feet. Sure. And you may not see that in December, but you'll see that in March and April. And set some guidelines for holiday parties, right? Like, <laughs> right. You know, tell your relatives that asking about college is off the table. And they won't listen to you. They won't understand. But you got to protect your kid. Your kid, you have to protect yourself and set some boundaries because the conversations that everybody on the cocktail circuit has been having for the past few months on the sidelines of soccer games is now going to be coming to your home for the holidays. And it's important that we as adults protect our kids from those very tricky conversations or we not try to not get into them ourselves so much because, again, it can cause only psychological damage with information overload or lack thereof or, or what does Tim like to say, you know, bad information yeah. overload. So. We have to make sure that we as adults keep everything in perspective. And many of us will agree that no matter where we went to school, again, I think about just us here. We got UNC Chapel Hill, a large public state school, FNM, a small school in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Tim went to school in Atlanta in a city and Morehouse College and HBC. And I went to Wesleyan up in Connecticut. So we have these different experiences that I think we're doing okay for ourselves. And I think people need to recognize. Yep. Great points. And I think if you're going to talk to, uh, Young people in your life this holiday season, instead of asking them about college, ask them what excites them, what they love right now, what they're enjoying. Something along those lines, or I saw where you were in your Life 360 app. You know, why are you driving so fast? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my world, guys. You need to be at 81 miles an hour, son. <laughs> oh, man, that is great. Well, guys, listen, we really appreciate your time. Love the book. Uh, we will definitely, as uh, Brennan mentioned earlier, put that into the show notes. But Thanks for your work on that and and everything you're doing day to day. And happy holidays. Appreciate y'all being here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We appreciate the invitation. Thanks, fellas. And for everyone else, thanks for listening. And we will be back in two weeks with our final episode of 2022.